Snippet, the short podcast platform. Welcome to The Awakening Code, a new show from Snippet featuring conversations around the process we call awakening and living more consciously and on purpose. This week, we're thrilled to be joined by author and spiritual leader Deepak Chopra, who will be speaking about the science behind spirituality, quantum physics, perception, and human consciousness. We start with a conversation about his book, You Are the Universe, and the increasing awareness around our human connection to everything. For centuries, um, people actually did have that connection. And then around the time of Newton and um, then Einstein and then then the pioneers of quantum physics, the connection did emerge once again in the the idea that uh, we are an activity of the universe, particularly in the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum physics, that you need an observer to take a possibility wave into the manifestation of a particle, that until the moment of measurement, the wave remains a wave of possibility, and it's not physical. So where is it? And mathematicians say it's in some imaginary space called Hilbert space, a mathematical, multidimensional, infinite space. But they don't actually say quite clearly that it is a mental activity. It's a mental thing. So that's where we are stuck with quantum physics. And now we have a little problem in neuroscience, and that problem is called the hard problem of consciousness. So when you look at an object, all that's coming to your eyes is photons. All that's going to your brain is an electrical current. All that's happening in your brain is a chemical reaction, an electrochemical reaction. How do you experience a three-dimensional world with color and in space and time, full of objects that seem to be separated from each other in space and time? We cannot account for any perception, whether it's sound or texture, or taste, or smell, or form, or color. Perception remains elusive. In all these cases, whether it's a sensory perception of taste, or color, or sound, in all these cases, all that's going to your brain is an electrical current. But you don't experience electrical currents in chemistry. You experience a world. Similarly, when you imagine a red sunset, or you think of your mother, or you have any mental experience and you have an image in your, in your, uh, in your mind uh, or in your consciousness, there's no picture of that in, in the brain. All there is is the same thing, electrochemistry. Right. So the hard problem is the big problem, and it raises the most fundamental question. Are we asking the wrong questions? Is the world actually physical at all? The world seems to be consciousness, and human consciousness is very interesting in that we are a species of consciousness that is, um, that is asking these questions and creating, in fact, in our consciousness, 
the human universe. You don't live in a crocodile universe. Or what does the world look like to an insect with a hundred eyes? So yes, we are the universe, and we are experiencing it actually as a projection of our own self. The human consciousness experiences itself as the other, and also as the universe. Now, so do other species, but they don't wonder about it. Right. They have their own version of it. Exactly. And, you know, you used a term that we use all the time on the show here on Awakening Code Radio of a new paradigm. Like, we yes. almost have to evolve out of where we've been to recognize the world in this way that you're describing. And we can. And if we do, science will become a much bigger science. Because right now... Science by creating this subject-object split, you know, we then, uh, because we don't include ourselves as an activity of the universe, what happens? We create nuclear weapons, atomic weapons, mechanized death, extinction of species, uh, devastation of the ecosystem, poison in our food chain, war, terrorism, because we don't realize that actually... We are at the root of it all, one consciousness. I noticed, Dr. Chopper, that you keep encountering a lot of anger and resentment from other, what you call, physicalists. Um, and can you explain how that makes you feel? And, and what, what In the beginning, very resentful, but then I realized, you know, that that was not appropriate. So I have started to dialogue with them. I dialogue with Michael Shermer and Leonard Bernard now, and they're professional skeptics, but also... You know, Leonard is co-author of uh, Grand Design and A Brief History of Time with uh, Stephen Hawking. Yes. And we've become friends, actually. And I teased them. I said, you have to be radical skeptics. You're <laughs> not going far enough. You, you think that the physical world is all there is when you can't even explain the experience of the physical world. Right. So are you going to so talk about... You have to be radical in your skepticism. Right. Matter is not... In fact, matter... No one has ever shown the existence of a substance called matter. Mm. So are you going to uh, speak to that on Sunday when you come? I will address it, but I will rather than just uh, talk about physicalists, I'd rather explain, actually, the big mysteries, like dark matter, dark energy, how life began, what was there before the Big Bang, and... uh, what is the origin of time? Why is the universe fine-tuned for life and mind? Those are the questions I will raise and um, address them in the new paradigm. Yeah, and it seems like um, I've been around, you know, floating around the periphery and, and just gotten amazingly to be invited on these councils and these and these talk uh, panel discussions and eventually it comes down to you can't go deep enough into physics um and get the answers unless you include some esoteric aspect of it or actually, what we would no, call spiritual physics doesn't actually answer the question even if you go deep because right. physics is also an activity in human consciousness where are experiments designed where are theories conceived where are observations made obviously in consciousness. So physics is an activity, science is an activity, an incomplete activity, because physics cannot tell you what love is or compassion is or joy is or who is asking the question, who wants to know. Physics does not answer any of that. 
Right. We, we have to – and we are this spirit – you know, we're kind of this integration of spirit science. We use that – those two words right. all the time. Like yeah, you can't explore good, one yeah. without the other. Yeah, science uh, mostly deals with everything that's local and spirit by definition is non-local. So – You know, it's another way of saying we are spiritual beings. So one of the, the – human experience, we are non-local beings having a local experience. Ah, I love that. We are non-local beings have a local experience. So what, what puzzles me, though, about the fact that, the, you know, during the Renaissance period, that's when science and spirituality seemed to walk away from each other and both entered into a, sort of an argument that was almost unbridgeable. But metaphysicians such as you uh, and others like Ernest Holmes keep binding us back together in, in a language that is acceptable to us but doesn't seem to be acceptable to others. So I guess we keep have to, having to work with our languaging. And how yes, and that's why it's important that we dialogue with those that are uh, of an adversarial opinion. We dialogue in a civil manner so we can ultimately hear each other, otherwise we are talking past each other. We'll be right back for more of our conversation with Deepak Chopra. Welcome back to The Awakening Code. Our conversation with Deepak Chopra continues. We are at a point in time, it, I mean, there's so much challenge going on, but there's also so much hope. I mean, there are people, I think, every day that are yearning for something outside of the box. I've been reading your books for 30 years, I think, um, and it just seems like there is a true wave growing where people want to. They don't want to turn their back on science, like it's almost been asked of us in the past when we follow a religion or a spiritual practice. Now we're in this moment where we are incorporating the two, and it feels like there is a real push and a momentum in a book like yours. Uh, this one especially speaks to me. You are the universe. Feels like we're getting very close. I mean, are you hopeful that we're we're actually getting really close to to getting I this? I do think so because you know, first of all, Menas Kapatos is a mainstream physicist and a professor of quantum physics and cosmology, and there are many, many others now. And there are yearly conferences on science and non-duality, the science of consciousness, which is coming up now in Shanghai. And you see literally hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, coming to these science and consciousness events. Right, like Conscious Life Expo we just had in L.A. this last weekend. There you are. Right, yes. and lots and lots of people want to, they don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater either way. They don't want to throw spirituality. Absolutely. We just need a more complete science that includes the observer, because in every observation there is an observer. Right. In every scenery, there is somebody who's seeing. You know, even the pioneers of quantum physics said, nature does not reveal herself to us as she is, but to the questions that we ask. And so who or what is asking the questions? Exactly. And as we go that way, we are an incomplete science. Exactly. Well, I'm sure it blew the first physicist who did the study, the uh, double slit study, and said, you know, the physical world behaved differently when we were observing it versus when we weren't. That's a that's a mind blower. And that that conundrum still exists. Yeah, that's you know, I the way I explain it, the way I talk about it frequently is the fact that we separate ourselves from that which we call God or the divine. And in that separation lives every fear we have, every doubt we have, every disappointment, everything that we think is negative exists in that gap. But once we close the gap which I think you do brilliantly and help all, all of us be able to express it and even more specifically. So I'm well, wondering... Thank you. Uh, you know, we are bamboozled by a superstition 
called matter. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a crazy. You break it. You keep breaking us down, and we are just these little electrical impulses. Yes. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing of what we are, and yes. you know we are creators. Nothing. Yes. We, we in the in the truest sense, we have an idea, and we are capable with our hands and everything of turning that idea into a something. I mean, it's it's quite profound yes. of what we have. You know, also we are convinced so easily with the, the latest uh, science um, of neural correlates that for every perception or mental activity there's a neural correlate so we assume that the brain is the source of consciousness but brain being an object in consciousness like anything else you know you experience the brain in consciousness no object in consciousness can be the source of consciousness it's like trying to explain a dream with a dream. Right. So I, you it's know, a I, conundrum. It is a conundrum. You know, I recently was uh, doing a lot of work with a book called Into the Magic Shop with Dr. Yes. Doty. And, and, I, yes. and, and I don't know if you're familiar with his work as a neurosurgeon. I am. He's a good friend of mine. Oh, fabulous. Well, you know, but yet in a part in the book, he talks that he wants to separate himself from his spirituality because he says, I am an atheist. He like added that into the end <laughs> of his he book. He told me that, <laughs> but he slowly shifting, I can tell you that. I'm glad to hear that, because I can't imagine why he wouldn't shift, because his total experience was creating a life that couldn't possibly exist yeah. unless he could think A lot of it. of it is fear of ridicule from uh, peers. A yes. lot of it for professionals is also fear of not getting a promotion or not getting that grant or, you know, seeming to be out of the box from your colleagues. Have we needed this fear? I mean, is it served a purpose this last, say, 2,000, 5,000 years? Is it just something we had to go through to get where we're going? Probably, probably, yes. Uh, we, you know, but the physical world is such a convincing um, uh, apparition, you know, and so we are convinced that we are, uh, we are beings that are squeezed into the volume of a body in the span of a lifetime. We'd never realized that actually even that's a hallucination, that there is no such thing at the deeper level as a body or a mind or a universe. No, I'll go there very slowly when I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> that's very liberating to know yourself as a non-local being. So are we, are we eternal? Do you think we're getting a little off the book, but are we? does that make us eternal? Like is there a consciousness aspect of ourselves? Timeless ourself? would be a better word. Timeless. Eternal means stretching in time forever, and timeless means not in time. So timeless. I like that. Like your, like your book, Ageless Body, Timeless yes. Mind. Yes. <laughs> but nobody, even then, nobody was listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I read that book. Yes. So there, there must be a good joke you can tell that would lead us to that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I used to be an atheist till I realized I was God in drag. <laughs> that's good it could be all things well thank you so much for talking yes, with thank us thank you for having me we look forward to seeing you Sunday to see you too. yes yes look forward Very to seeing happy you happy to be on this interview and looking forward to being there with you Thank you for tuning in to The Awakening Code. Next week, we speak with author and physicist Manas Kafatos.